turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, if you have a phone, if you have a tablet, however you find God's Word, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to continue a series we're calling An Audience with the King. I'm just going to review a little bit. Then we're also going to find ourselves in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 2. Let me review as you're turning. Last week I talked about the, the Magi, also known to most people as the wise men. Some people call them the three kings. But we said this, the Bible never says that there were three of them. It just says wise men came from the east. And so we don't know how many there were exactly, but for some reason they felt compelled to come. They saw a star and they started off on a journey because they wanted an audience with the king. And so we talked a little bit about them and we said that the word magi itself is short for the word magician. And there were four empires that ruled during the Middle East uh, in the biblical times. There was the Babylonians, there was the Persians, there were the Romans and also the Greeks. The Babylonians were set up much like the Israelites. The Israelites were set up into tribes. One of those tribes was the Levites. The Levites were the priests. The priests were a very special tribe. When a king was crowned, the priest would oversee the coronation. Much in the same way the Babylonians were set up into tribes as well. One of those tribes was called the Magi. In Daniel chapter 4, Daniel himself, the Bible says, was the chief of the Magi. So Daniel was the chief of the Magi. The Magi in the Babylonians as well, when a king was crowned, would oversee the coronation. So when wise men or Magi came from the east, this wasn't just some random act. This was God-ordained that these men come. Why? Because they were not just coming to view something. They weren't just coming to see a child. They were coming with gifts because they were coming to a coronation where they were declaring that this baby is no ordinary baby. He is a king. He's not just a king, but he is the king. The king, the Bible says, of all kings. Amen? So that's why this story is so important. Matthew chapter 2, let's start in verse number 1. We'll put some of the other scriptures on the screen a little later, but it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, or from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship also." 
So here these wise men came. They came from thousands of miles away. This journey did not take days. This journey took months. They saw a star and they traveled east towards that star. But at some point, we don't know when, at some point during their journey, the star disappeared. It just vanished. It was gone. It was there one minute and gone the next. So they traveled to Jerusalem and they inquired, where is he who is born king of the Jews? We saw his star. Of course, it was no longer there, otherwise they would have kept traveling towards the star. No need to ask for directions. But the star disappeared. And so they were wondering, where is he? We've traveled, but we've lost our directions. We've lost the star. We no longer see it. At some point, maybe while they were camping out during the night, at some point, the star vanished. I'm not sure what your prayer life is like. I'm not sure if when you pray, you always feel it. You always sense God's presence. I'm not sure if when you pray, you always get the goosebumps. And, and you, but if you're like me, maybe, every now and then when I pray, I don't feel anything. Every now and then when I pray, I feel as if my prayers are not getting anywhere, not going past the ceiling. Every now and then, I just don't feel anything. Every now and then, I feel as if God himself has vanished. Does anybody can identify with that? Does anybody understand? You, you feel one way, sometimes you feel like, wow, that's it. I feel, I sense God. And then there's those days when you just... It's like, where did God go? He was just here. Now I, I just, I don't see him. I don't feel him. I, I've got nothing. And what do you do? What do you do when you feel like God himself has vanished? What do you do? Well, listen, what did these guys do when the star just disappeared? I mean, they could have just packed up and went home. How easy would it have been to turn around? How easy would it have been to say, well, I guess, I guess that was that. I guess we're going to turn around, boys. Let's go back home. I mean, after all, what do we do now? Listen, isn't that a great question? Have you asked yourself that lately? What do I do now? What do I do now? I mean, what do I do now? We've got a situation at home. What do I do now? Well, here's what you do. You keep going. You don't quit. You keep pressing in. You keep following. You keep praying. You keep reading the word. You keep coming to church. You keep doing what you know to do. And that's exactly what they did. They said, listen, we've come too far. We can't give up now. We got to keep going. We've got to ask. We've got to stop. Listen, if we don't know where we're going, we'll stop. Let's, let's find out. Let's do something. Man, I've seen people come, especially when they first come to Christ. And it seems like every prayer is answered. It seems like every time they come into worship, they get the goosebumps. It just seems like everything's working out in their life. They've got clear direction, clear focus. But then all of a sudden... What was once so obvious now becomes obscure. What was once so, so apparent and so easy to understand now becomes a little cloudy. 
And they ask themselves, where did God go? What happened? All of a sudden, it seems like it's just not so easy anymore. What do you do when the star disappears? What do you do when it seems like God's vanished? What do you do when you don't feel it? What do you do when your prayer life just seems mundane? What do you do in those moments? Listen, it is in those moments that will determine whether you ever get an audience with the king or not. Because it's just too easy to quit. It's just too easy to back down. It's just too easy to give up. So I want to give you just a couple things for you to understand when you go through dry times, dry seasons, and everybody goes through them. Listen, if you're not currently going through a dry season, I've got news for you. Eventually you will. If you're not currently going through a rough time or or, or just a dry season in your life, a wilderness moment, I've got news for you. Eventually you will. And so what do you do? Well, just a couple practical things. Let me give you the first one, and that's this. Number one, you have to understand that God answers with words and not feelings. He answers with words and not feelings. In 1 Kings chapter number uh, 19, just flip over there real quick, 1 Kings 19, we find a very discouraged and despondent prophet by the name of Elijah. And he had a servant with him. And listen, at that moment in his life, he was on the run for his life. And at that very moment, he needed to hear God. At that very moment, he needed some clear direction. At that very moment, he needed an answer to the question, well, what do I do now? And so it says in verse number 11, here's what it says. It says, then he said to his servant, then he said, go out. And stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rock in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A still, small voice. Listen, God chooses to communicate with us through words. Can he use an earthquake? Absolutely. Can he use fire? Absolutely. Can he use wind? Absolutely. But he chooses words. He chooses to communicate with us in words. And it was after that still, small voice that Elijah said, okay, now let's go. Because God wasn't in the earthquake as as awesome as that was. And he wasn't in the wind as, as incredible as that was. And he wasn't in the fire as majestic as that was. He was in the still, small voice. God doesn't choose to communicate with us just by feeling. He chooses to communicate with us by words. So if you're waiting for the feelings, you are going to be waiting for a very long time because they don't always come. I was just in Lake City at a hotel up there getting ready to go to a pastor's conference that night. And I remember I had some time and I said, you know what, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray in this hotel room. And it's not often that I'm, that I'm traveling alone, but I just happened to be up there and getting ready, and I, just, I was praying and believing God, and I just started pacing the floor of the hotel room. And listen, God just showed up. 
I just had one of those moments, and many of you have had them, when you were praying, God was right there. I felt as if God's presence, listen, I could have filled the bathtub up and just walked all across the bathtub right on the water. I mean, God was right there. But listen, those are the exceptions. That's not how it always happens. Often I just stumble out of bed and kind of go, where's the coffee? <laughs> you know, you don't always feel it. You don't always get those moments. You don't always have those experiences. And so what do you do when you don't have it? What do you do when you don't have the feeling? What do you do when the emotion's not there? You listen for words. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it tells the story of Samuel. And here he is, just a young boy, and he's ministering in the temple. And the Bible says that all of a sudden, Samuel heard a voice. He heard his name called. That the Lord called to him, Samuel. And what did he do? He immediately got up, the Bible says, and he ran to the priest whose name was Eli. Why? Why did he run right to Eli? Because the voice sounded human. The voice just sounded like any other voice. It sounded like a human was talking to him. Aren't you glad for that? Listen, it was just a human's voice that he thought he heard. And so he runs to Eli, said, hey, you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. And it happened a second time, and it happened a third time. Why? Because God wants to be heard. He doesn't come to you just with smoke and mirrors and fire and earthquake and wind. He comes to you in a voice. It's not so complicated. It's not so confusing. It's not all about feelings and not all about goosebumps. If you're waiting for those, you're going to be waiting. But if you're listening for a voice, you can hear his voice. It's not always loud. It's often very still and very small. But when you listen, he chooses to speak that way. And Samuel heard him. See, we're all waiting for the big and the mysterious and the wonderful. And listen, those are great. But we can't live by those every day of our lives. In Luke chapter 16, it tells the story. Jesus told a parable, and it's called the parable of the rich man and the beggar. Two people. There was a rich man and there was a beggar, and they both died at the same time. And one goes up, one goes down. And the rich man finds himself in torment. And he sees Abraham there, and he says to Abraham, he says, Hey, would you send Lazarus back? To my father's house because I have some brothers that need to hear about eternity, about heaven, and about hell. Now, this is a parable, not a true story, but Jesus is telling it to, for you to understand the kingdom of God. And Abraham says, No, I'm not sending them back. And he says, Here's why Moses and they have the prophets, let them hear them. And the rich man says, no, 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 send Lazarus back because if somebody's raised from the dead, if they get a miracle like that, then surely they'll believe. And Abraham says, no, no, even if they get a miracle, even if some people see a miracle, listen, even if some people see a miracle, they won't believe. 
He said, but what I've given them are words. What was Moses and the prophets? Moses wasn't alive anymore. What he said is, they have the word. At that time, it was the Torah. For us, it's this book right here. They have words. Let them listen to words. Whether it's your daily time with God in his word, whether it's coming into God's presence like this, whether it's hearing preaching, whether it's godly counsel, whether it's God just speaking to you on his own, you have words that are being spoken to you. And when it seems as if God disappears, it seems as if your prayers are going nowhere, you just need to listen. Because God does want to speak. He does. He chooses to reveal himself. It's not always feelings. It's through words. The second thing you need to know is this. God often stays just beyond our reach. God often stays just beyond our reach. Now, I often don't know why he does it. I wish he'd just make it so much easier, but there's a reason why. Let me, let me show you. I'm just going to come down here, and I'm going to show you how, why God stays just beyond your reach. I could come up to Mark, and I could just touch him, and I could say, Mark, I want you to touch me back, and then I could just, just say, go ahead. Touch me back. Go ahead, Mark. Touch, okay, yeah. <laughs> Work with me, brother. So, touch me back. But what God does is he touches us and then he just steps back. Just out of our reach. Why? Because he wants you to move. He's not content with you staying there. He doesn't want you to get complacent, comfortable, apathetic. He demands of us to move. Amen? We can't just sit here and go, okay, God. Listen, God doesn't just come to right where you are, doing what you're doing. Listen, you're sitting on the couch, just minding your own business. All of a sudden, God shows up. It doesn't work that way. He requires something of you, and it's called movement. He requires you to get up, do something different, move. Listen, you can't always reach God from where you are now, doing what you're doing now. Something has to change. Something has to be different. You've got to make some decisions, and you've got to move. God tags us. And then he says, okay, tag me back. But let's go now. I'm not stationary. I'm not going to make this easy for you. I'm not going to let you just live any way living like you're living now. I'm not going to let you just do anything. I'm going to demand something of you, and it's going to require you to get up, do something different. I was at the mall the other day with Elias. We went to the Wellington Mall uh, because Cynthia said, you need to watch your own child. I, I call it babysitting. She calls it watching your own child. I don't know why, but so I said, okay, well, I'm going to go to the mall for both of our sakes, so we're both alive when this is over. So, so we went to the mall, and we went to the little play area, because praise God, that's easy. So we went to the, the play area at the mall, and I remember watching this one little kid. He was like four or five years old, and he's running around, and he's just going up to complete strangers, just kids he doesn't know, not at all, just going right up to him and going, hey, 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 hey. Chase me. And then he turns around and runs. And it was so funny because I was just watching him go up to kid after kid after kid. Hey, 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 chase me. Hey, chase me. And he'd turn around and he'd just start running. But the problem is, 
he would turn around and run and nobody would chase him. He'd just take off, ooh, and then look. Nobody's there, right? Oh, a couple kids step, you know, took a few steps, but then they'd get distracted or something would happen or, you know, they'd see something else and they'd stop. But he was just wanting people to chase him. He just kept going, hey, chase me, hey, chase me, chase me. And sometimes I think God's like that. He just goes up to us and goes, hey, chase me. And then he moves, and then he turns, and then he moves the other direction, and he's just waiting for us to do something. Chase him back. Tag. Guess what? You're it. It's your turn to move, to press in. You say, well, I don't see it. I don't, I, this, he's, it's like he's vanished. I don't, I don't got it. Of course he has. Because he wants you to move. He doesn't just sit there and go, whoo, chase me. And stay still. He's got to move. What fun is there in that? Listen, you don't play tag with a tree or a rock or anything stationary. And God's not a stationary God. He's on the move. And if you're not willing to move, if you're not willing to do something, if you're not willing to get up, if you're not willing to press through, if you're not willing to push through those dry seasons of your life, then God will move on and you will be left behind. But I don't want to be left behind. Come on now, anybody else? I don't want to be left behind. I want to go after him. But that's what he does. And then he turns around and says, I just want to see Somebody's chasing me. The other day, I was so blessed to be able to get a new smoker. Now, this is very important, what I'm about to tell you. Now, for those of you who don't know, a smoker is a barbecue piece of equipment. And so, don't think it strange. But uh, I love to grab a piece of meat and smoke it. Oh, I'm telling you what. And, you know, I got this, so I got this new charcoal smoker because real men... Use charcoal. That's what I'm going to say. All right, so, so I got this new charcoal smoker, and I'd never seen one like it before, but I saw it, 40 bucks uh, on Swipswap. I said, that's it. I'm going. I found it, got it home. It was like my baby now. And so I, I bought a couple hams, and I put them on the smoker, and I just, I just doused them in this stuff called mojo which is like the Spanish marinade, and then I just cover them in black pepper, and I put the wood chips in, and all of a sudden that smoke started coming, and I mean, I knew it. I was just ready. I knew what this was going to taste like. Many of them smoked many a ham, and so, so I, I was waiting, and an hour and a half later, uh, I took it off, and I just saw that bone had begun to stick out, that ham had begun to split, I could see the juices starting to get, and I thought, thank you, Jesus, for what I'm about to partake of. But I figured, I got two hams, I can't eat this alone, so we called another couple. We said, hey, would you like to come over for dinner? Uh, because here's what I'm cooking. And they were there, like in record time. It was amazing. And so they came over, and I just, I just started to carve this ham, and the juices are just flowing down, and this beautiful pink ham, black on the outside from that pepper and smoke, but beautiful pink on the inside. Has anybody 
Is anybody hungry yet? So I, I, I was carving it, and, and it was just, it looked so good. And so I said to the man, I said, come over here for a second. I said, taste this. And he just took a taste. Now, I didn't give him a taste to curb his hunger or to satisfy his hunger. I gave him a taste, really, to awaken his hunger. Now, here's what Psalms says. Psalms 34, verse 8 says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. God doesn't tag you. He doesn't give you a glimpse of himself. He doesn't give you those feelings, those moments in your life. He doesn't give you the miracle, the sign. He doesn't give that to you to curb your appetite. He doesn't give it to you even to satisfy your appetite. He gives you those moments to awaken your appetite for him. The psalmist said this, taste, just taste, just taste and see that the Lord is good. Because if you could just get a taste, a glimpse, a moment, if you could just be tagged, if you just get his hand to press upon you, if you could just get a moment in his presence, if you could just feel those things. Listen, we're not led by them, but we taste him. And having tasted and see that he's good, it awakens something in us, and all of a sudden we say to ourselves, we have to have more. And I had more of that ham, and more the next day, and more the next day, and that bone is still sitting in my refrigerator today. Listen, you taste and see that God has an endless supply of his goodness and his grace. And listen to me, he has some words for you. He does. In Matthew chapter 2, in verse number 9, if you go on and read the account of the wise men as they showed up, listen, here's what happened. That star reappeared. It just did. The star reappeared. Suddenly they saw it again. And the Bible says, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced. You see, God doesn't stand afar off all the time. He doesn't keep you at bay. He doesn't remove himself from you all the time. He doesn't stay there. He just wants to awaken something in you so that you press through and press in. And then he sees the hunger in you, when he sees the passion in you, when he sees that nothing will deter you, then he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a little more and a little more and a little more. And you just begin to once again get the feelings and get the emotions and you bask more and more in his presence, which makes you hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. Listen, if you're here today and you're going through one of those dry seasons, those times of where the emotion's not there, listen, that's good news. That's not bad news. That's good news. Why? Because God is standing afar off for a reason. He wants you to press in because he has something for you. And you're this close to a breakthrough. And you're this close to seeing the star reappear, his voice heard. You're this close to seeing something transpire in your life, a door opened. If you just don't quit, 
If you just don't give up, you keep pressing through, you keep waking up early, you keep getting in the Word, you keep praying, and you're going to see the breakthrough in your life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment today. I praise God for those moments. It's not enjoyable at the time. I wish that I felt the goosebumps, the feelings, the emotions every minute of every day. But it just doesn't happen. I don't always feel it. I don't always have it. But I know that God's always listening. And I also know this. God's also speaking. And it may not be through an earthquake, and it may not be through fire, and it may not be through wind that could tear rocks apart. But if I listen carefully, there's a voice. And if I keep pressing in, direction will come. He'll show up again. Just like that star reappeared, for some of you in your life right now, God's about to reappear. He's about to show up again. He's about to say, well, here I am. I've just been waiting for you to keep pressing in. Not give up. Hallelujah. Isn't that great news today? Isn't that great news that he stands just a little bit off from us? Isn't that great news that he's just beyond our reach? There's about us enough to not leave us where we are. Never allows us to get lazy. Never allows us to get complacent. He says, come on, let's go. Tag. Listen to me, listen to me. You're it. It's your turn. Time to move. Time to do something different. Time to press in like you've never pressed in before. Let me pray for you today. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, I thank you for each and every person that you brought into this place. Lord, I thank you for their lives. I thank you today, Lord God, for those who are here and, man, things are going great. And they're seeing results and they're seeing clarity and they've got direction and they've got focus. But Lord, I also thank you for those here today that are struggling. They don't have the emotion. They don't have the clear direction. Things are a little cloudy. God seems a bit distant. I thank you for them as well. It's defining time. It's, it's one of those moments in their life. It's going to make all the difference to whether they see their breakthrough or not. So, Father, I pray for them today. If that's you right now, if you're here...